If you will, turn with me to John 17. We've read this for the past two weeks, and I want to continue to to read on the verses that that I'm teaching from to get them fresh in our minds. But this is John 17, verses 6 through 10. He said, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou gavest me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. You will turn back with me now to John 17. This is our Lord's Prayer concerning His coming into the flesh to accomplish the redemption of His people and such things as were purchased by that sacrifice and such things as were trusted to Him. It was by His own words His Father's good will to send Him. I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me. Time and again, he tells us that the Father has sent him. He talks about being sent for the Father's purpose of grace, which was behind all that was going on. And his love for his people behind that. God loved his elect. He loves his elect. In this, John said, was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Whose love was being manifested? Certainly the son's love is manifested in his death. But who sent him? The father did. And that's the love that he taught. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The old hymn writer, he wrote a hymn called At Calvary. We don't sing it too often. 
But here's how the verse goes. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. I don't like that word plan, but there is a design in salvation. And he's telling us here, oh, the love that drew this. Oh, the love that drew salvation's. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. One thing to have a, an eternal design, it's another thing to bring it down to men. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. This is the prayer of him who alone stands before God as our representative, as our substitute, as our high priest. He's about to carry his own blood into the holiest of all and obtain for us what we could never obtain, eternal redemption. Who's going to do it? He. He. And I cannot emphasize enough the greatness and significance of that one who speaks on our behalf to his Father in this prayer. There's no way that you can overexalt Christ. We come far short of it. This is no less than God Himself. I hear people talk about God speaking to them. God told me to do this. God told me to do that. They talk about this hearing voices. Or sometimes just in a vision or they hear in their mind. Would you hear God speak? Then hear what He says in this prayer. Because this is God speaking to God. Now let me begin this morning with a very shocking statement. Maybe not to everybody here, but it is a shocking statement to natural men. Natural men, all those born of woman, born into this world, sons and daughters of Adam, descendants of fallen man, natural men, they have nothing more than a tiny hint of who God is. That's shocking to most men. Well, I believe in God. Well, you believe in your God. You want to find out if you believe in God, come and sit under the gospel a time or two. Let somebody tell you who God is. All they have is a, a hint of the true and living God, to have a conscience, that which may be known of God, he says, is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. It's not a saving knowledge of God, not the glory of His person, but a knowledge of God's disapproval of sin. God's a holy God. He witnesses that in your conscience. Your conscience tells you you shouldn't do that. You can do that. Why? It's not your conscience telling you that. It's God telling you that through your conscience. It says He hath revealed this unto us. It's manifest in them for God has showed it unto them. And, and they have creation. The heavens, David said, declare the glory of God and the earth showeth His handiwork. Creation bears witness of God's power, of God's omnipotence. 
The invisible things of Him, He said, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and His Godhead. There is a God behind creation. It's not Mother Nature. It's, it's not just a chemical formula, for lack of a better word. It's God. And there's an order in creation. And He maintains that order. And this ought to speak to us something about the omnipotence of God, the power of God. The only other source of knowledge he has is the Word of God and the witness of saved men testifying of the grace of God in Christ, but the natural man won't have them. He receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto it. Neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. Natural men take some facts and they mix them up in the apothecary of their imagination and they come up with what they call God. This is what brought the destruction of the world about over in Genesis chapter 6. Every imagination of men was only evil continually. Now you read carefully what what he says was going on and you'll see what I'm saying is so this is not imagination of all the uh, craziness and lusts of men this is an imagination concerning God imagination taken from the word image and he has an image in his mind but it's not it's not God Here's what he says. Natural men, they lavish gold out of a bag. This is what he says over in Isaiah. They lavish gold out of a bag and they weigh silver in the balance and they hire a goldsmith and he maketh it a god. He, he, he makes a form out of it. Moses went up to receive the law of God when he come back down, all of Israel's dancing naked around a golden calf. Somebody made a calf out of gold and they worshiped. What? Well, where'd they come up with this idea of dancing naked around a calf? That's man. That's man. He said, He maketh it a God and they fall down before it and worship. And then they have to pick him up and bear him around on their shoulders because he can't walk. He can't travel. And they set him in his place. They put him where they want him to be. They set him in his place. And they carry him. And he standeth. And they cry unto him. But he he can't answer them. And he can't save them out of their trouble. Folks say that's an extreme example. I'd never do that. Probably not. But you would bow down to the God of your imagination. You'd open a hymn book and sing hymns to Him. I used to just, boy, I just big tears in my eyes and sing songs that's so contrary to God, I, I'll fly away. <laughs> really? 
Jesus is not what Antichrist religion declares him to be. And natural men, they walk Paul said, beware. Beware. They will come preaching. Who's they? Religious people. Nobody else. That drunk ain't going to preach Christ. He's talking about religious folks. He's talking about the pastor, the preacher, or whatever they call him, father, or whatever they call him. He's going to come and he's going to say these things. They'll come preaching another Jesus, another gospel, by another spirit. And I'll tell you what Paul said. When they do, let them be accursed. That is in your mind. You be free. You're, you're, not, you're not taken away from God by turning your back on those men. You let them be accursed. They walk in the vanity of their minds. He don't know God. And there's none that understandeth and none that seeketh after God. And the gist of these verses I read to you a few minutes ago is about a divine revelation of God. This is what salvation does. It reveals the true and living God to you. John said, we know that the Son of God hath come and hath given to us an understanding that we may know Him that's true that we're in Him that is true. This is the true God, and this is eternal life. The gist of these verses is about a divine revelation of God. Verse 6, He said, I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me out of the world. There's a name, the very name of God. What what is that? Is that a what the sea beers in my generation used to call a handle? No. No, his name is who he is. We used to have another saying in my generation, he has a good name. We we need a roof put on or a house painter that guy's got a good name he's got a good name God manifested his name none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved but nobody's going to be saved apart from that Jesus is not here to do the best he can and leave the rest up to us that's another Jesus he's not here with uh, hands tied by man's free will, unable to do what God sent him to do. That's another Jesus. Got to have your help. Got to have your money. Got to have your dedication. This man, this Jesus of Nazareth, is God overall, blessed forever. Show us the Father, Philip said, and I'll be satisfied. Well, he said, Philip, have you been so long time with me? Have you not seen the Father? He that has seen me has seen the Father. He, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. If you see him, you see in the, you're seeing God. 
My dad's name was Herman. Kathy and I died. I went to see a nephew I hadn't seen in many, many years. And I look a lot like my dad. And when he answered the door, he said, there's Herman. <laughs> there's Herman. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's the express image of His Father, the brightness of His glory. And God's name is who He is, His true character. And here in our text, He tells His Father, I've manifested Thy name unto the men which You gave me out of the world. They know who You are. They know who you are. Oh, the revelation of God. God is just. He will by no means clear the guilty. That's what Moses said. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. He said, okay. But you can't look in my face. You couldn't stand that glory. He said, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. And when I pass by, I'll cover you up with my hand. And I just let you see my hinder parts. I let you see the finished work. I let you see what angels in heaven desire to see. God is righteous, perfectly righteous. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. God's righteous. He's not a little bit righteous. He's not even a whole lot righteous. He's righteous. And God's angry with the wicked. His wrath is actively engaged. Talks about it over and over all through the Scriptures. And yet God is also love and grace and mercy and He's kind. He's all these things, yet not one to the exclusion of the other. This, this is the beauty of the name of God. All of His attributes function perfectly at all times in everything that He does. That's holiness. Holiness is not how long you wear your dress or how short you cut your hair. Holiness has to do with the wholeness of God. And Jesus Christ was ever with God. Isaiah said He's a just God and a Savior. Zechariah said he's just and having salvation. And Paul said he's just and justifier of them that believe on Jesus. Peter said he died for the just, he died the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, John said, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And to save sinners, Christ must come and represent Him before the law, satisfy divine justice, provide Him with a righteousness, and arrange for His regeneration. Everything that it takes to get that man from here to glory, Christ has to do. He has to do. And this revelation is given by the Son. It's given by the Son. It, this is a revelation. I don't, I don't know if you... We're, we ain't much more than a handful. I didn't even know how many cups to fill up with wine this morning. I, I filled so many. Come up short, I'll go pour you another. 
Do you even have an inkling of what a privilege it is to even know in your head who God is? If you, if you think I'm exaggerating this point, go talk to any of your relatives, especially your religious relatives. Go talk to them. You'll stand there with your mouth open. You just won't believe what you're hearing. I saw a clip on Facebook earlier in the week from my nephew's wife. He died. And she's always has been for years. I don't know, last 10 years, she still puts things on there. And she said, but I know that my dad is my angel. <laughs> Show me anywhere in the scripture where any man become an angel. He just. Oh, God must do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And this revelation is given by the Son. It's demonstrated in His birth, His life, His death, His resurrection, and plainly declared in the world through the preaching of the gospel. And what you hear in this place every week is only heard just in a few places. And what these men heard came from the Son of God their Savior, and what they heard was a glorious revelation. I'll never forget the first time I heard this. It was a revelation to me. It's nothing I had ever heard or read anywhere. And then secondly, I want us to see those who received this revelation. He gave this glorious revelation of the name of God to a people given him by his Father. It's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It's not given to them. Why, Lord, why don't you declare these parables to them? Why, why speak you in these parables and you tell us what they mean, but you don't tell them? Because it's given unto you. That's why. Our Lord prayed in, in the garden this prayer and he said I've given them this revelation and the ones I give it to are the ones that you gave to me I don't know if you've ever come to grips with this or not but it's not in the purpose of God to save all men That was not his intention and not the purpose behind the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was given power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as the Father hath given to him. The good shepherd, he said, giveth his life for the sheep. He told his, uh, he told Mary before she um, brought forth the child. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then if you go back to the last few chapters in the book of Revelations, he, he has these books and he opens these books and he judges everybody out of those books. We were told when I was growing up, this was your works. And so it was... Maybe some of them written in those books, but it won't be a plus for you if it is. It, it'll be evidence of your guilt. 
But here's what it says over there. We're going to cut through the chase, get to the bottom line. Here it is. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I don't care what they did. Huh? They cast into the lake of fire. Well, how can you say that? Maybe there was one out. No, there's none that seeketh after God. There is no one anywhere. Election carries with it all the provisions of grace. Is that right? Read Second Thessalonians chapter 2. God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. All these provisions are already made. Provision was made and a covenant struck for a people of God's choosing. And He calls those people. He establishes church, churches in places where He has a people. It's not determined by the free will of those who decide to let God save them. Salvation is a provision of God who chose to save a people in His Son to manifest the glory of His name. Listen to this. It can't get any plainer than this. He said, you've not chosen me. I chose you. Uh, you were sitting at the receipt of custom when I called you. You wasn't seeking me. You was a tax collector. You was out there on a boat fishing when I passed by. You had no more idea of who I was or, or the ministry or anything else. I passed by and said, I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. You have not chosen me. I chose you. And I tell you, if you hadn't come to grips with it, you better. Because this is the only door of salvation there is. God chose a people. Otherwise, it says that right in the Scripture. We'd be like Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, you're not of the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. And that's why the world hates you. Huh? You, you told them God chose you. Huh? You want to see somebody get mad, tell them that. God has a people. All right? Let me ask you this. What if he didn't? Huh? What if he didn't? He looked down from heaven to see if there was any that did any good. If there was any down there seeking after the Lord, he said there was none. And now what if God didn't choose? What if God didn't make provision for those chosen people? What if he didn't bless them with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ according as He's chosen them in Christ. Man always presupposes man's free will. Everything he does is based on man's free will. And what you're saying, preacher, when you talk about election, you're taking away all the responsibility of men. No, I'm not. I'm not closing the door on anybody. I'm trying to point you to the open door. There's one door, and that door is Christ. 
Except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we'd been like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm going to tell you something else. Election's not the reason for damnation. Sin is. That's the second thing that man knows nothing about. He doesn't know anything at all about his sin. If God ever convinces you of sin, He'll have to convince you of salvation because there's no way in your mind that you could ever think about yourself being saved apart from His grace. Election is the reason for salvation, not damnation. And it's not a closed door to keep men from believing on Christ, but an open door with full provision that all might not perish. Redemption of God in Christ is given to His elect. Paul said, we speak the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world under our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You think about who crucified Him. The heads of the most powerful government in the world were involved in it. The heads of the only people who ever had an inkling of who God was, Israel, their high priest was involved in it. The chief priests that were under them appointed over their various uh, duties, they were involved in it. The Sanhedrin, the highest council in Israel, was involved in it. This wasn't a bunch of heathens out there that came up with this idea of crucifying Christ. This, this was people who, who everybody thought knew God. Had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God, he said, hath revealed them unto you. And that's what our Lord's praying about. God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Are you here this morning with a true knowledge of God? Understanding? Awed by His character and divinity, awed by His grace? seeing how he can save sinners without compromising his name, understanding that you're secure in the person and work of his son, then thank God for the election of his grace. Because that's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. Thine they were, he said, and thou gavest them me. And then lastly, I want us to see and think about the means of this revelation. He tells us here, and they have kept thy word. Thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are they. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. 
I'll never forget down to the old church. My oldest daughter had come to visit, and my granddaughter was on her way back to the nursery. And she stopped. Uh, the pulpit was here, and there was a door similar to that that went back to what we were using as a nursery. And she stopped, and she, I looked over at her, and she said, Paul, she said, are you going to say the words? And boy, that, that hit me like a knife. It's funny how the Lord speaks to you. <laughs> now speak to me through this little girl. You going to say the words? And boy, I teared all up and I said, I sure hope so. The Lord said, I gave them the words that you gave me. <laughs> oh, I hope that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm hoping I'm giving you the words that my Father has given to me. Our Lord carried to them, these men, given to Him by the Father, the words of salvation, the words of eternal life. He said, you go preach my gospel to every creature. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. The Jews at Antioch mocked Paul and Barnabas and spoke against those things that they preached. They said it was necessary that the Word of God should first have been spoken to you. Not read to them, spoken. They, they stood up and preached the Gospel. Preached the message of this book. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the world. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. I'm going to tell you when you're going to get glad. When, when you finally see that what you're hearing has been sent to you from God, oh, you're going to be glad. They were. They were. They've been bounced back and forth by these Jews and proselyted by them and heard this and heard that and been a part of this and that and told this and that. All of a sudden, the Word of God was preached to them and boy, when it hit, it hit like a ton of bricks. When they heard this, they were glad. Now watch this. And glorified the Word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Oh, the gift of the words of life. There was a day when I walked in the vanity of my mind, hanging on words and phrases, and really made no sense at all. Had no semblance to the word of God. And how ignorant, how confused, how deceived I was. Why did I go? I think because of the affections and testimonies of people that I loved and knew. And arrested my souls on their lives. Peter talked about vain things that they had received by the tradition of their father. 
He's a preacher. He's a pastor. He has a degree. He went to seminary. He's not ignorant. My nephew asked me one time, he said, how can somebody like me who never donned a door of a church, how am I supposed to know out here with all these churches, how am I supposed to know who's telling the truth and who's not? I never had anybody ask me that before, and I was just quiet for a little while. And then all of a sudden it hit me. And I told him, I said, you never will. But for the grace of God, you never will. You won't come. We've had, I don't know over the years how many people we've had. We had three ladies that came. They were beauticians. They cut my wife's hair and stuff. And they they loved to travel church to church. And she invited them, and they come up here. And boy, as soon as that, as soon as I sat down, they were gone. Out the door. And how many have done that? But for the grace of God, yeah, I don't care how clear you make it, but for the grace of God, you'll never know the difference. These words are a gift given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And he said, I've given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. The first miracle of God is the gift of hearing. The second is to receive them. To receive them. They received them. Oh, that God will give us the spirit of truth to know and receive what we hear as the gift of God. In receiving His Word, they've known all things whatsoever Thou hast given me. Are they? They understood that through the work, through His work. And oh, how different we'll hear when we believe that that one speaking is sin of God. May the Lord give us each the spirit of wisdom and truth to know the difference.